0: This is Pastor Flosser, and you're getting ready to listen to the preached Word of God taken directly from one of our services at Faith and Truth Assembly in Thomasville, Pennsylvania. We hope it is a blessing to you, and if you could take some time and just go over to the Contact Us tab on this website and send us a little message. Let us know if there's any questions we can answer, any prayer requests we can bring before the Lord on your behalf. We want to help you in any way we can. God bless you and enjoy the word. Psalm 78:38 But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity. God is talking about the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt and came to the border of the promised land. God said, "You're not slaves. I've made you free. You're my children." And I've got a place for you, flowing with milk and honey, that I want you to be blessed in that place. Amen? Takes them to the border of it. And this is what he is saying through the psalmist years later. He is full of compassion. He forgave their iniquity. Aren't you thankful for his mercy? And destroyed them not. You know why it says that? Because they deserved punishment. Yea, many a time turned he away, turned he his anger away, and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back, tempted God, limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. God bless you, you can be seated. God is conveying to us through these scriptures his his great patience for us, his children. If you could keep your finger right there in Psalm seventy eight and, and turn with me to first Corinthians, the tenth chapter you are got to see that these instances of God's people coming out of Egypt, God's people going through the wilderness following Moses, who's got his finger on the pulse of God for his will in their lives, and how those people in the wilderness and there at the border of Canaan land, all these things happening, praise God. Look what it says here in 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did eat, all eat the same spiritual meat, did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Stop there just a moment before we read any farther. You can kind of see there might be some questions if you're following along, and I hope you are. You might say, you know, what does this mean, you know, baptized under Moses and the spiritual rock? See, these things that he's referring to in the Old Testament had spiritual significance. The Bible calls them types and shadows of that which is to come. They were all pointing to a church and spiritual truths of how we get our lives in order and saved and in line with Jesus. It says in verse 5, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples. That's what I want you to get here before we go back to Psalm 78. The things that happened from the coming out of, of Egypt uh, the children of Israel going to the mountain to to uh hear the voice of God and fighting the battles and even the temptations that they went through and how they doubted and how they they battled and how God worked with them these were all our lessons our examples on how we ought to be living for God it says God was not pleased with them Verse 6, now these things were for our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And then you can go down through some of these verses and it goes kind of line by line to many of the situations that you'll see God's people in. We can look at those things as almost a story. We can look at the times where... They murmured and complained, and and, and uh, they, they thought about Egypt, and they got upset with Moses, and some of the times they got rebellious, and, and, and we can look at that and think, oh, those silly Israelites, you know, when are they ever going to learn? But God said, pay attention. This is you. Pay attention. They went through these things so that we can learn by their example. How many know that the Bible's got some good examples, and the Bible's got some bad examples? But when we see them going through some of these things, there some of it was lust and fornication, some of it was uh, even just being not content with the manna and and some of it was being upset with with uh, just the way Moses was doing things and and all the ways that they were tempted. And how we see God responding to that. Remember, I've said it many, many times to you, know, how uh, just kind of bringing it down to the very basics. I'd say it a lot of times when, when uh, there might be a visitor in the service or somebody that's not really familiar with a lot of things of God. I try to really bake, break it down to something very simple. And I say things like, like, you know what, if I really believe there was a God, I want to know what makes him happy. And if there, if I really believed there was an almighty God that made everything and that one day I was going to stand face to face before him in something called the judgment, I'd want to know what upsets him. Doesn't that make sense? Haven't you ever been around somebody who just seemed like they were a big, big person and maybe you just kind of lightheartedly say, I want to stay on your good side. God's bigger than they are. <laughs> God is, and not only that, He's in control. And He's made a way for us that we can have a friendship with Him. How awesome is that? If, uh, if all the leaders of the community, the mayor and the, the, the chief of police and, and maybe the president, they say, you know what, I, I want to be your friend and, and we're going to be close. And anything you need, you know, you can just call on me. I'd say that's a good deal. How about Almighty God? I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to be your father. I'm going to work all things together for your good. But I also say these things because I do think there's this idea that people know they've heard God is love, and he is love, and we know that, right? But that doesn't mean he doesn't get upset. So I think sometimes it may be just kind of a shock to people when I say, I want to find out what makes him mad. What? Does God get mad at things? Well, yeah. Yes, he does. I want to find out if there's a way to get on his bad side. Amen. Say, well, I don't think that's possible. He just loves everybody. He really does love everybody. And he's proved it. But that does not just get everybody off the hook. Amen. Did you ever get angry with someone you loved? No. Nah. Sure you did. Sure you did. God cares about us, but you know what? He's made a way through his love and his compassion. He's made a way that the door can be opened, but he will not make anybody be saved. The Bible says these things are for, were for our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Drop down to verse 11. Again, now all these things happened unto them for our examples. That's an old English just way to say Example. And they are written for our admonition, our warning. Amen. There needs to be a warning. Don't you think I'm trying to be tough on you? Don't you think I'm trying I have something against you? The warning is that, hey, when you start going astray, when you start doing things your way and you're not in God's will, you need a warning. You need somebody to love you enough to say, hey, that's not going to fly on judgment day you've got to understand that is love that's not hating you these folks that think oh that you 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 hate people that that don't live right you hate the sinner you hate people that you talk about perversion and homosexuality you talk about all the confusion oh you you hate those folks or you're phobic you're fearful no 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 standing up and saying hey this isn't god's will that's the best friend you'll ever have Amen. The one that'll say wake up and get out of here. You're in trouble. You're in danger. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. It says all these things happen unto them for examples and they are written here this for our admonition, our warning upon whom the ends of the world are come. We're in the end times. We're not flying blind. We're not going through this life just wondering maybe what we should do. God's given us teaching, sound doctrine, and examples of how he deals with with situations. Amen. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So let's go back to our text here in Psalm 78. We touched base a little bit so while we are reading it you'd know what's going on. But understand the heart of God. God he loves us. He cares about us. And he's got a plan for us. Please hear what I'm getting ready to say here. Please understand. God's got a plan for your life. You can't use God and say, God, I just don't want to go to hell and then stay out of my business. God's got a plan for you. You can't just say, okay, I have turned away. I've repented. I've said some prayers but I don't belong to you. You follow me. No. God said, my plan for you is not to have you in slavery, and it's not to have you just wandering around in the wilderness. I've got a purpose and a plan for you in the promised land. It's blessing. It's victory. I've got good things for you. But look what the Bible says. I want you to get in there and start living that life. I want this whole world. You're going to be a light to the world. You're going to be a city that's set on a hill. You know what that means? Everybody around is going to say, look at, look at them. Look at, look at how blessed they are. Look at how, how good they're doing. Look at." Oh, and he says that, that because of that, you're going to glorify me. But there was a problem. The Bible says they were provoking God. He was compassionate. He forgave them. Many times he turned away his anger. Look what it says in verse 41. Let's kind of, well, let's back up verse 40. How oft they did provoke him in the wilderness. Almighty God, who is love, please, I know we understand this, but maybe, maybe something I say to you this morning can, can give you an open door and, a, and, a, and an ability to, to tell it to somebody else. And, and through your testimony, let people know that God does love them, but He can be provoked. What provokes God? He's patient. He's full of compassion. He wants to save you, but it says they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him, grieved him in the desert. That word desert is just another word really for wilderness, a place where it wasn't God's best will for them, and it wasn't a choice. It wasn't that, well, we can just live for God here. No, you've got to keep moving forward. You've got to go through and, and, and fight those battles, and, but they were grieving God. They were provoking God. They turned back and tempted God. Before I talk about turned back, they tempted God. What do you think that means, tempted God? They weren't... Understand, the Bible says He's God. He cannot be tempted with sin. It's not talking about somehow they said, hey... God, you know, uh, do, do you want to uh, try something? No, no, he's not being tempted with sin. But it's just basically kind of what you would say. You're, you're, you're trying me to one of your children. You know, you you, you really, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to punish you. I don't want to pull this car over. I, I don't want to chasten you, but you're tempting me. That's exactly what this is. God's saying, I've got a plan to bless you, but you tempted me to do something different. What tested God's patience? What provokes God to anger? What grieves him? I'll tell you what blesses him, seeing his children go forward and fulfill their their calling, making that calling election sure, the Bible says, Amen. Seeing his children walk in the, in, in his will and, and be, he can pour out his blessings. That's what God wants to do. Do you know what the Bible says? And I don't know that any one of us have fulfilled it to the extent that we can. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to his riches and glory is what he said he can do. But the Bible says they limited the holy one of israel they tempted him they limited him what could possibly happen to limit god god made the universe god is almighty god has made the put the sun and the stars and the planets in their places god keeps this world going and how could we who are really just just small creations in God's scheme, how could we limit such a great God? We can hold back His will in our lives. We can't keep back the dawn. We can't keep back the tide. We can't take the stars out of their place. But when God says, I want to bless you, and I want to, I want to multiply those blessings in your life, you can limit God's effect in your life to what He has in store for you. And it provokes Him. It upsets him because he wants to do good for you. Amen. They limited him. Do you remember? I, I quote it many times. It, it just to me, it blows my mind to think there is Almighty God in flesh, Jesus coming to town. It doesn't say he gets to a town, and there's no sick folks in that town. Nobody needs a miracle. Everybody's doing good. Jesus, thanks for coming by. It's been fun, but we don't need you to lay hands on us. We don't need your miracles, signs, and wonders. No, no, no. It said that he could do no mighty works. It's not that he wouldn't. It's not that he didn't want to. But he could do no mighty works. He was limited. Why? Because they're unbelief. There was unbelief. There was doubt. They saw the miracles he did. They heard of the great wonders that were performed in other areas. But when it came down to, I'm able to heal you. I'm able to meet your need. I'm able to tear down the strongholds of the enemy in your life. Amen? He could do no mighty works because they didn't believe. They looked at the circumstances. They looked at their situation. They looked at Jesus, even, and criticized. We know him. We know his family. It's He's not that big of a deal. We're not feeling real inspired with his presentation. Amen? And it says he could do no mighty works because they unbelief. he was limited. That's the wording that is used here in the book of Psalms in reference to Israel and their relationship with the Lord. And this is exactly what God is telling us today is given for our example. Look what they did. How do we limit God? Well, we already said it was unbelief. We already said it was doubt. But look at it. Look at what it says. How often did they provoke him? Do you see it there in verse 40? Following along. How often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back. Let's look at that for a moment they turned back. Bible talks about not even being mindful of where you came from, just keeping your eyes on where we're going. Bible talks about how we need to set our affections and and lift up our eyes. But one thing that continuously just worked against the children of Israel, it talks about how often they provoked him. Do you remember? Do you remember reading the accounts of In Exodus and Numbers, they were continually talking about going back, continually talking about giving up, continually saying, you know what? We remember what happened. We remember what happened in Egypt. Look what it says. Let's turn there. Keep your finger there again in Psalms if you would, but turn with me to Numbers. Numbers 14. Here's just one instance of many that we could turn to. Now remember... We're not talking about Israel. We're talking about us. These are examples that we need to learn from. We need to pull out the lesson of what is being said. And we're not so different than these folks. Now, we haven't seen fiery serpents pop up, and we haven't seen the ground open up and swallow folks. And I'm not saying that's fixing to happen, as they say down south. But there are ways that people... Fall in the wilderness. And it says here in Numbers 14, 1, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. The people wept that night. Children of Israel murmured against Moses. What was going on? Was was there problems? Was there... No, 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 no. Praise God. Numbers 14, they're murmuring against Moses and against Aaron. The whole congregation said unto them, Would God... That we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God we had died in this wilderness. What is happening that makes them say something so awful? It would be better that we died here in the wilderness. It would have been better if we would have stayed in Egypt and died. I know you never heard anybody talk stupid before. I did say that very sarcastically. If you looked up for a minute I was smirking. People get their heads so mixed up and they start saying foolish things. That's what was happening here. Oh, it would have been better if we died in Egypt. Don't they remember the hard, hard times that they were having there? You know what was going on? They came; The, the spies came back from the land flowing milk and honey. They said it's a blessed land, but there's giants and we're just little guys. There's just no way we can overcome the battles that are ahead. The battles that we foresee our minds have concocted this idea that we're just little grasshoppers. There were very real battles. Don't get me wrong. This is a thing that I feel like people really get messed up with. I'm never telling you that it's going to be easy. I'm not telling you it's not going to take prayer. I'm not telling you it's not going to... there's not going to be some some things you're going to have to struggle through and endure. That's what the Bible says. People think they've got to walk with God. Everything ought to be easy or something's wrong. Nobody said it's that way. But when you let your mind get out of control and start saying, oh, no, there's just no way. It'll never happen. We can't get through this. God got angry. In fact they started now they saw about hey we've got the proof we see that it's a land flowing with milk and honey God wants to bless us Amen. God wants to move us out of the wilderness and give us homes that we didn't build and harvest uh, crops that we didn't plant and, and yeah there's some some devils but we're going to fight them and we're going to win right. But instead the Bible says they start lifting up their voices they're crying all night long they're saying Moses they're 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 coming against Moses. Why would you lead us this way? Why would you lead us into a battle? Why would you lead us to where these giants are? You and Aaron, you don't know. You're wrong. And they're murmuring against them because God wants them to move forward. And there's going to be the challenge of the unknown. How many ever fight that battle, the challenge? God's saying, come on up a little higher. Saying, well, I'm pretty comfortable where I am. God says, I got better for you. You listen to the word of God. You listen to the preaching and God saying, I'm going to bless you. And I've got gifts that I want to use through you. And you're not quite where you need to be yet. There's more for you. And we say, well, there, there's there's battles there that I, I haven't fought. And I'm not I fought a lot of battles yesterday. Tomorrow's battles. I I, I don't know. And and, you, and God starts pushing you a little bit. God starts prompting you to move forward. And 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 I've seen people get very angry. Let go of Egypt Let go of the wilderness. Start moving forward into God's blessings and God's work. It's not not easy, but it's God's best. Amen. But they murmur against Moses. They murmur against Aaron. They start talking silly, saying we should have died in Egypt. We wish we would have just died in the wilderness. And wherefore, verse 3, wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword? So really if you listen, which... A lot of times when you're in this mindset, you're not really listening to what kind of foolish talk is going on. And, uh, you know, it wasn't enough that they were talking against Moses and Aaron. And, uh, you know, that was God's appointment. That was God's leadership. So, so just like Adam and Eve and Eve saying, or Adam saying, who's this woman you gave me? It wasn't re- it was directed at God, really, wasn't it? Well, they're doing the same thing, but they just right out and say, you know, Why did the Lord ever bring us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey? God doesn't care about our families. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. We're going to find somebody who's going to do it our way, not challenge us to go forward and be better and fight battles and, and win. Praise God. We're going to find somebody that can say, you know what? This is what you want, and and, uh, I'll give you what you want, and we'll go back into Egypt. God, help us in this day. They turned back, tempted God, limited the Holy One of Israel. God's love for you wants to lead you on into greater things. But in that, praise God, in that journey, there's going to be battles, there's going to be Trials that with you and God together, you're going to be all right. God's going to help you through. Amen. You got this far. Hear what it says there in Psalm 78. It says they remembered not his hand. That's our problem. God brought you this far. God never forsook you. God took you through things you never thought you'd ever be able to face. And you could never face them without his help. The battles that are ahead of us, God it's got it under control. Amen. Nothing's changed. I hear people, I was thinking about this earlier this morning, and it just seems like sometimes the way our minds work, we think about the good old days, and we think about how, how uh, things happen. I, I tell you, I've sat down with some preachers about, and, and I, I really believe we're fighting different types of battles today. I really do. I feel like the devil's upped his game. But you know, a lot of times when we're having church the way we're supposed to be having church, we're oblivious to a lot of the really bad problems that are going on anyhow. A lot of times I've heard people say, well, back in the day when, uh, when, when things were just going so well, and I've talked to preachers, I've talked to pastors about the battles, the hardships, the troubles that they went through, even in those times. Can I tell you, yep, I, I really believe times are changing, and I... And I don't think it's for the good. And I'm doing my best to to promote revival and see people really. But you know what? There's always been devils. Hallelujah. And if you'll remember what God brought you through, you're going to be able to face whatever God's got ahead of you. The problem is they remembered not his hand nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. Remember what God did when you came out of Egypt. Remember all the plagues and all the all the victories and all the uh, the blessings that God God's got those for you today, if you will trust Him. There's nothing too tough for God, and if God leads you to it, He's going to take you through it. But don't forget what God has done for you. Amen. They turned back constantly not just once they were constantly saying let's go back to egypt let's give up rather than move forward and trust god and they limited god they limited god people say well we can't afford to do it god's way we can't afford to do god's will god's gonna provide for you oh oh, we're gonna we're gonna people are gonna hate us if we move forward hey god's gonna support you and god's gonna be a friend to you Oh, if this happens, I don't know what what'll happen. The people around me, my family, won't respect me. My job, they're gonna look at me funny. Can I tell you? God will take you in and bless you. God's never been known to forsake His children. Can anybody say Amen? Hallelujah! They turned back. They tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Psalm seventy-eight. Drop down then, or drop drop down. I almost said drop back up. Look up to uh, verse uh, 19 in Psalm 78. Yea, they spake against God. I don't know. I I can tell you about situations time and time and time again when people are full of unbelief and doubt. They're fearful. They've made up their minds they're not going to take a step forward in faith and just believe that God's going to be there for them to help them. And if you tell them, hey, that kind of unbelief provokes God. Oh, I I trust God. But that's not what they're living. That's not what they're saying. Say, hey, you're speaking against God. God said He's going to take care of you. When you start questioning God... You're speaking against his character, against his nature, because he loves you and he does care about you. They usually say, oh, no, I would never do something like that. All in the while, if you would li- just, they would listen to what they're saying. That's exactly what they're doing. Psalm seventy-eight, nineteen says, yeah, they spake against God. It said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Here we are, several million strong. We're hungry. How can God provide food for us? How can God provide water for us? How can God take care of us? In our minds, in our limited understanding, God there's too it's too big of a problem. God can never see us through. And that's not true. God can do it. He, it nothing is impossible for Him. But they're limiting Him. He could feed them. He could clothe them. The Bible says they're Feet did not swell, their shoes they never needed to, to, to renew, their clothes they weren't walking around in rags. God took care of them. But in their minds they said, can God furnish a table? Can God take care of us? Can God meet this need? Oh no, I figured this out. I'm, I'm pretty smart. I've been through some things. I know this is not going, going to go well. The Bible says they speak against God. God's taken them to a new place. He got them out of bondage. He got them away from the whips and the slavery. And he's taken them to a new step in their lives. And now they're looking at different battles and saying, God can't do it. How can God do this? Well, God took care of you in that other battle before. Remember. But they limited God through their unbelief, through their doubt. Look what it says, verse 20. Psalm 78, verse 20. Behold, he smote the rock. Remember that? Moses was told, smite the rock, hit that rock with your staff. The waters gushed out and streams overflowed. How can God give us water in the desert? God did something impossible. God did something glorious and and blessed them with water in this way. This is our example. Remember, this is us. We come to a situation and say how can God do this? This can never happen. There's no way. I figured it all out. And the big the, the how big this problem is and, and what we have the resources we have it is impossible. And God got water out of a rock. Amen. Not so long before they were complaining about water out of a, about their water situation, they're standing in front of the Red Sea with an army behind them. Tell me, I've said it to you many times. Tell me how many of them said Oh, easy. All we need to do is have a path through this sea and we can get away from them. And you know what would be really great? I figured it out. If the sea would opened up and then it would drown our enemies behind us, we'd be free and clear. No, that doesn't enter our minds. But that's the God we serve. He's got a plan for us that is exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Hallelujah. So he smote the rock. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? He gives them water out of a rock. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? He gives bread out of heaven. He brings in quail with the wind to a place where they're wading through quail, knee deep, amen? God can, amen. Amen. They they ask, can God furnish a table? Yes, he can. But their unbelief limited God. Their doubt that said, here's the problem, but God... Worked. Look what it says. Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. Anybody know what that means? That means he was angry. I see it in some of the instances early on. When they first come out of Egypt, again, this is us. This is our examples. They're they're like young Christians coming out of sin. They don't know a lot, and they're fearful. But you know what after a while, you know, God just starts blessing them and meeting needs, reminding them, "Hey, I got you out of Egypt. Uh, I'll take care of you." I didn't I'm not going to leave you here by yourself. He they come to water and it's bitter, they complain. God says, "Just knock a tree down. Cut a tree down, lay it in there, and you'll see those bitter waters become sweet." They start saying, "We're hungry. We're going to die." And God sends manna from heaven. But after a while, they're not learning. After a while, they start acting like they're spoiled brats. They start saying, you know what, I can just complain. God doesn't expect us to just get an attitude of, I'm just going to do my thing and be the baby all my life, and God's still going to just love me and take care of me and overlook my immaturity. No, He expects us to grow in our faith. After a while, we say, "You know what, God? I don't think you can do it." But I, I did it this time, this time, this time, this time, and this time. And if you think about it, probably a whole lot more. Oh, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's going to be really bad. God says, "Now, enough is enough. I've been good to you, and I've, I've met your needs, and I've got greater ahead of you. Don't limit God." Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth, so fire was kindled against Jacob. That didn't happen the first day out of Egypt. He was patient with them. He was long-suffering, the Bible says. He cared and, and helped them, taught them, and nurtured them. But after a while, people started falling in the wilderness. Can I tell you, there's a lot of different stories why some people fall and fail, but a lot of times it's unbelief. They don't want to just trust God to keep them moving forward. They get to a place of satisfaction. They get to a place where I don't want to work anymore. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want uh, my faith to be challenged anymore. I don't want to take my prayer life to the next level. I don't want to take my burden to the next level. Amen. And God's saying there's blessings there they hear people. Come on, let's let's be honest. I hear people say sometimes, "Oh, if I could be, you know, a, a child again, if I could be carefree, if I could, if I could be like some of these little children, or I could be like some, oh, if I could be a teenager again." Are you kidding me? I'm glad to be grown up. <laughs> I, I have no fantasy about somehow being forever the the man child. I I can I can have fun and. And I can even be silly if I want to, but but there's no desire for me to go backwards. Growing is good. Amen. I, I understand, you know, getting older doesn't, you know, it's not all perks. But I'm telling you, going back, and, and God's got things for us ahead. God's got things for, for those who have learned some things. And There's something about taking wisdom and helping somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of something about the older teaching the younger something about that that really being an example and being the 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 pillar and the, the the stability in situations that is invaluable but but so often we get this idea i just want to forever be the the one that can get away with the complaining and the immaturity and and I I don't ever want to take the responsibilities of what it means to to be in the promised land and work hard and fight against the enemy and overcome some things. God's got good things for the child of God who can be responsible and mature. Amen. I believe that. Hallelujah. Look what it says that um, therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth so a fire was kindled against Jacob Anger also came up against Israel because they believed not in God. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't believe he existed. You know, like the person says, I believe in God. Yeah, we're talking about a whole lot more than just believe. I believe, I believe in George Washington, but that doesn't mean I trust in him and have a relationship with him and believe he's going to help. It's, it's not just believing in the existence of him as a, as, as a reality, but it's not trusting in his salvation, it says. They didn't put their confidence in Him when it says they didn't believe in Him. They doubted Him. They, they limited Him in their unbelief. God's got a plan to get you through what you're facing today. He's got a plan to get us through what we are facing today. Oh, yes, He does. God's got everything in His plan I, I've heard people already say, "Well, I, I just don't understand why, how how God could possibly be in leading us here." Hey, look in the Bible; He led them to battles. Right. Say, "Well, well, you know what happened? They, this person left, and this person gave up, and this person backslid." Hey, not everybody followed Moses, and many, many more fell. How sad it is. How sad it is to be able to get to where God's leading you and just shut your ears off and not pay attention to what God is going to help you learn in the process. Amen. When you're crying, there's a lesson. When you're hurting, there's a lesson. God didn't lead you to the battle to just leave you there in pain. God's got something for you to learn and to grow and be an overcomer. Amen. And to be better. Don't limit God when it gets difficult. Don't limit God when your carnal understanding says it's too much. God didn't lead you to the place of too much. He led you to a place of victory. Amen. Look what it says in Hebrews, the third chapter. Again, many times the New Testament talks about this time in the book of Numbers. We read about it at first in, Psalm, in the Old Psalms in the Old Testament, but we also see it there in in uh, 1 Corinthians and now here in Hebrews again. Hebrews 3. Verse 7. Talking about us now. Don't limit God. Don't look at your situation and say it's too much for God. Don't look at the giants and say we're too small for them. Hallelujah. Trust God. He wants to take you through. Wherefore, Hebrews 3.7. As the Holy Ghost say it, today, today, not thousands of years ago, today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Listen to his voice. Don't harden your heart and say, no, I know it's too much. I know God can't take, it through, take us through this. Don't harden your heart. Listen to what it says. As in the provocation, that provokes God to anger. Sometimes where God leads me, I get angry. Not with God. But I get angry with the situation. I get angry with the circumstances. Absolutely. I can be very frustrated, as good as anybody else. Probably better than most. But God, I don't want Him to be provoked. I don't want Him to be provoked. God led us to this last day. Lord willing, I feel like we're going to be teaching, preaching tonight about being in Babylon. A lot of good people had to be in Babylon. It's kind of like the last day we're living in. God's taken us to a place where I look around and I don't I, I don't really recognize a lot of things that have always just been a part of my life as a child of God. But I know God is in control and we're going to see God do miracles. Amen. In this last day, he said, don't harden your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Here it is again. Where your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works 40 years. You see it again? Repeating it for our admonition, for our warning. They saw saw my miracles. They saw me loving them. They saw me providing for them. They saw me giving them victory over their enemies. But they continually provoked me by hardening their hearts. Wherefore, verse 10. I was grieved with that generation and say they do always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. God's ways were happening over and over in their lives. God was taking care of them, but they still did not get it in their hearts. They have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. You're not going in, then he says. You will not go into my promised land. You will not go into the place that I prepared for you. If you harden your hearts and limit me and talk against me by saying, God can't even take us through what we're facing. God can't even get us through this battle. I'm not fighting. I'm not, I'm not marching forward. He says, okay, I swear in my wrath I will not bring them into my rest. Blessings of the promised land. Take heed. Here it is. Talking to us. Amen. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you. We're talking about what God did then. Now that's given for our example, for our admonition, our warning. Now take heed lest any of you, there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. But exhort one another. Encourage one another. Amen? It's a battle. We need to encourage one another to keep on moving forward. Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. You've got to have that same faith you started with. You've got to finish with it. While it is said today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses... But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? But to them that believed not. There it is. Unbelief. There it is. Their refusal. Do you battle with fear? Do you battle with, with doubt? Sure. We all do. Absolutely. But when you make a decision, no, it's impossible. I will not keep. Pushing forward. I will not fight this battle. I'm gonna i I'm gonna turn back. God help us. That's an evil heart of unbelief. So we see that they could not enter in because of their unbelief. First chapter four, verse one. Let us therefore fear, let us today, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us, listen now, here's how it is for us. To them it was Moses. The mouthpiece of God saying, come on, we're going in the promised land. We're going to fight those giants. Come on, we're going in the promised land. We're going to forget about Egypt. Come on, we're going in the promised land. We're not going to go in circles and just spin our tires in a wilderness. God's got blessing ahead. Praise God. It says, now let us fear lest a promise of being left, being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. Now today you hear the gospel preached. You hear the preaching of the good news. God loves you. God wants the best for you. God's going to take care of you. There are many that don't want it. There are many that are looking back to Egypt. There are many trying to mix and mingle with the gods of this world and compromise with, the, with the, the, today's uh, idolatry. But the Bible says to us the gospel is preached as well as to them. But the word preached did not profit them, being mixed, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So how does it profit us? We mix it with faith, not limiting God. Amen. How do we get the benefit of not provoking God to wrath? We listen to the word of God. Amen. And mix it with faith. Hallelujah. Just a little bit yet, and we're going to close. I want to just turn back to Psalm 78 and show you all that God really wants for us. I want to end on this note. We have a lot here that is pointing to the bad example, pointing to the unbelief, pointing to the doubt, pointing to the murmuring of saying, you know what, how can God take us through this? How can God get us to anything better? And people are just so fatalistic and feeling like it's just just, just downhill. No, not for God's people. There are many that will fall in the wilderness. There are many that will not make it to the promised land. But that doesn't have to be your testimony. But look at all that God really is doing. Psalm 78, verse 70. He chose David, also his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. He gave them a shepherd. From following the ewes, great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands I know in some ways this is talking about David but I I see the God of David I see the great I am that is the shepherd the great shepherd anything David ever did was because of God and his goodness Can I tell you, it was God that fed them according to the integrity of his heart. God, God's going to feed you. What what was God desiring for them all along? When finally God took that small group that had faith and took them into the promised land, what did he do? What was his goal? What was his desire for a faithful people to feed them according to the integrity of his heart and guide them by the skillfulness of his hands? God just wants to take care of you. God wants to be that shepherd that takes you to the still waters. God wants to be that shepherd that makes you lie down in green pastures. Yep. We're right here again. The goodness of God that is saying, When I you see giants, I see green pastures. There yeah, there's gonna be battles. There's gonna be but, but God's gonna see you through. Some of the giants that we see even today, some of the battles that we're facing even now, God's got a plan. To feed you and guide you by the integrity of His heart and the skillfulness of His hands. He cares about you. He has not led us to this place that is that is challenging and difficult without a plan to feed us and guide us. We cannot allow ourselves to limit God by doubt. And look around and see all the circumstances of the battle. The challenges that are around us. And say, you know what, I don't think God can. Yes, He can. He can do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Nothing is impossible for Him. We have to keep our eyes on Him. Can we bow our heads in prayer? Sister Katie, can you come please and play something for us? Oh, God is so good. We're so weak. Sometimes we read it here in our text. God understands we're just flesh. God understands we're just made of dust. He has compassion, mercy on us and our weakness. And every one of us battles with doubt, fearfulness, wondering, God, how, how can we continue? How can we face the challenge that is before us? But we don't give up. We don't settle in to an attitude of unbelief. Keep fighting for better. Keep striving for higher. Keep reaching, pressing toward the mark. No turning back. Don't forget what God has done for you. He's the same today. Don't forget the devils that God's put under your feet in days gone by. Don't be weary in the battle. Renew your strength today and know that God's going to guide you. I look around this world and I can't see how we have too much more time. All that we're facing, all that we're going through. So many, so many it seems just mock at this arc of, of safety we call the gospel they think it's foolishness to be a part of God's church and we see all that besides that we see the turmoil and the trouble within and we can get ourselves wearied in the battle and start thinking and looking back don't, don't limit God don't Don't allow the enemy a foothold in your mind. God's God's going to take you all the way to the promised land. Oh, hallelujah. Let's all stand. God, you're wonderful. Can we all find a place to pray? Can we all just reach out to God with our whole hearts? God, take away unbelief from us. Take away the fears, the doubts. Give us faith. I wonder if every one of us could just open up our hearts and say, God, I, I, I need to hear your voice again. Lord, I've heard the word. Help me to see. Help me to hear, Lord, just what you're, what you're wanting me to hear, God. Help me to never slow down, never give up, God. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. all myself to You. I give all myself to You. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, here I am, God. I give all myself to You. God's going to take us home. God's going to get us through every challenge, every battle. God was God every step of the journey. No matter how big the battle was, no matter how difficult the enemy was, God, God was faithful. Keep your eyes on the prize, church. Keep your eyes on the goal. God's going to see you through. Don't limit Him through your fear, through your unbelief. Let him be God in your life. Let's all stand. Father, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for men and women that have stood against, Lord, all the adversity of the years. God, who have fought battle after battle, Lord, and today, hold on. God, continue to help us all the way, all the way through until you come to get us, take us home, God. Lord, forgive us for limiting you. Forgive us for magnifying the problems, God, and not magnifying you. God, give us, give us victory. Oh, we give you all the glory and thanks. God, bless your people. Bless, Lord God, we ask the service tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.